Welcome to Scintillations, the podcast where we explore hot takes on the business of branding, consumers, and culture. Each week, we talk to the top minds from businesses shaping tomorrow, cultural thought leaders, and people with an eye out for what's next. Whether you're a marketing professional, entrepreneur, or simply curious about the forces shaping the world of consumer business, we've got you covered. From the latest trends in consumer behavior, to the cutting-edge strategies used by the world's top brands, we'll unpack it all, giving you the insights you'll need to stay ahead of the game. So, join us for scintillating conversations that will help you navigate the ever-changing landscape of modern business, including developments in artificial intelligence tools, like this voiceover. And now, your host, award-winning brand builder, Erica First. Good morning, Amanda. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Of course, it's so lovely to be chatting. Why don't we get started with you introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yes, of course. So my name is Amanda Aldinger, and I'm the founder and CEO of Antonin. And we are a copywriting and brand voice strategy studio that conspires with beauty brands, lifestyle, food. I got into this work by way of first acting and then Matt Cosmetics. I was an actor and then moved to New York City without a job. And the first job I got was actually in the editorial department of Matt Cosmetics. I had a journalism degree at that point, but that was really my first foray into copywriting and understanding the 360 degree needs of a brand, especially a brand as large as Mac, which was in most every continent at the time and, and just was producing 90 plus launches a year. Wow. I ended up taking over the department. And then in 2017, I left Mac and I really felt like at that point I had done a lot of what I wanted to do and could do. And I wanted the experience of working with a lot of different companies, different clients, different products, and, and just getting to see the interior worlds of other brands beyond just this one that I'd been at. And what kept coming up as I started working with companies at that time was that holistically, regardless of, of how large the brands were, how long they had been around or what product they were selling. The central concern was that they didn't just want copywriting. They wanted a voice, a brand voice. They wanted it very ownable to their brand and experience. And I, I just saw this huge opportunity to structure a process, a way of engaging an experience for brands and companies that went beyond copywriting and essentially took the rigor of a visual design process and apply that to how it speaks. That's awesome. And you have, you have such an incredible list of clients, broad range of experiences. Yeah, yeah, we do. I think the, the core theme and thread through all of our clients is that they're very, very deeply interested in investing in their voice and putting resources behind it in making it very ownable and in saying something in a unique way, the way that others aren't saying it, which is hard these days because every market is so saturated, especially beauty. So finding your very unique entry point into how you're talking to your audience is more imperative than ever and also harder. 
because there's more people trying to say the same thing you are. What is required from a company in order to create uh, a distinct voice? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, the we always equate it to a human voice. So it needs to be grounded in something real. It's It's not just something that you place on top of a brand to make it sound good or to make the product sound good. It has to be coming from an authentic purpose, an authentic vision, and a, and a true audience, a relationship with an audience, somebody that wants and needs what you are trying to give them. So in that way, the tone of voice always has to ladder out of a really strong brand strategy. But then as far as, as voice goes, it's really, it's really about your hook, your reason to believe and, and the tonality that you are using to connect with an audience in a very particular way. I always say, any of us, you and I, we have our general way of speaking, um, but it shifts if you're talking to a spouse versus a parent versus a friend. So that's really the goal of a strong brand voice too, is that is it, it's exceptionally consistent with really, really razor sharp consistency across every touch point, but that it's alive enough to be able to shift and move and engage in conversation with people. I like the idea of, that you mentioned of that there's different personae that we take on mm -hmm. because I'm sure that meeting Amanda is very different than brunch Amanda. And you have <laughs> to know how, um, how those shift. How can you create the rigor of the constancy and allow that flexibility? Let's say I, there's formal La Mer and then there's weekend La Mer. How do I rationalize those two? How do they change? Uh, do they come off as different brands? Yeah, no, they never come off as different brands. So that's what's most important. I think it's looking at the intention of each platform and what the audience wants. So what they want on your website, for example, is to know why they should be buying the product. They want to know more about the product. They want a lot of specific information. It's an educational platform. It should still have the vibe of the brand and be in the tone. But for me to really complete that experience, then purchasing it and taking it home, I've got to know very clearly what it is. Whereas if I'm interacting with a brand on a social feed, that's a bit more of a lifestyle community-based platform where um, you're maybe not always hard selling. You're showing what the brand does. Those guidelines across every platform account for those nuances because nuance is so important. It's what makes something human. And so we create those guardrails across every platform so that we're clear on the intention, we're clear about how to bring in the tonality. And, and that all creates consistency so that no matter where you're interacting with the brand, you feel like you're a part of the same world across every touch point. So let's, I will keep with La Mer because it, it, to me, it's like one of the ultimate in luxury brands. And I have seen luxury brands struggle a lot on social media spaces and some have nailed it. Others are still, you know, the, because there's a strange tension with the brands are meant to be exclusive and inaccessible and detached and higher than you. And that's not allowed on social media. So what happens when you take something that's like the pinnacle of luxury 
and you put it on TikTok, which is the ex- is chaos by definition. <laughs> well, you have to be comfortable with change. And I think this is true for any brand, but especially our big legacy brands that have grounded any industry. There was the, you know, that moment over the last 10 years where a smaller, more nimble, younger brands were coming in and just like going, going, going. And it was much harder for those legacy brands to be as flexible, to move and groove. I think when you're looking at these new platforms that come up like a TikTok, you cannot be approaching it from the same strategy or point of view that you've been using um, for any other historical communication. It's just completely different. You have to understand first, what does the audience want when they're going to this platform? What is the vibe? What is the type of messaging that resonates with them? What will make this compelling? And and you have to be comfortable with bending to that and finding your way in. That's still very important. And that's what we work with, with our luxury consumers, making sure that we never lose their equity, their brand equity, their tonality, but that it is wrapped in... A, a new way of communicating that resonates with something like the TikTok audience. The image that was coming up in me, in my mind was, you know, we get invited to different kind of events. Maybe we have to go to a wedding or we have to go to a Halloween party or we have to go to a business thing. We're still the same people that show up each time, but how we present ourselves changes based on the environment that we find ourselves. Yes. So please- Absolutely picking an outfit, the brand picks an outfit to show up in for whatever platform they're using. Yes. And of course, in that way, still maintaining what makes you, you, I'm somebody who wears a red lipstick every day. That means you will see it on me in yoga and at a wedding. Still maintaining that thing of that's you so that you're showing up as you are and you feel authentic and that's consistent versus I think what a lot of brands struggle with is maybe trying to have everything be very different for every platform or compromising their authenticity or compromising what makes them so special because they're afraid. So it's it's finding that tension between this is who we are and that's never going to change. But also this is the new and different way to speak with this audience. The brands that I struggle with the most are the ones that really try too hard. You want to bring yourself in that environment, but being true to who you are and where you are and what your vibe is, as opposed to adjusting it completely for, for the platform. I think one thing that we love about our clients and, and the brands that we work with is that they are very invested in language and investing in language and messaging. They understand the importance of it they treat it with as much reverence as they would their their actual product development or their visual design. And if you look at the just the history of impactful messaging and advertising and brands who have paved the way for just really powerful advertising and communication, it's all soulful. It's all about a human connection. It yeah. has to connect to your emotional needs the emotional needs of your audience, what they want, what their fear, what our intake questionnaire, whenever we start working with new clients, these are the questions that we ask about, about their audience. What keeps them up at night? What are they excited about? What are not, it's not just about 
you know, what kind of a serum they want. It's really about understanding their emotional lives and and knowing how to support them through messaging. Also, because as you said before, it's all about nuance. You know, one thing that luxury has that it's built on the equity of all luxury brands is the craftsmanship. And it is that attention to detail and couture and what it takes to make things and, and the handicraft of it. And those are those are elements that, you know, can only really be communicated through strong messaging, right? Yeah. Because if you're looking at two black bags that look absolutely the same, it's it's how you tell the story of the luxury bag and why it's so special and what went into creating it that elevates it as something more covetable inherently. And that's why I think messaging is so, it's, it's imperative for, for luxury and communicating those details because it's the rarity and the refinement that makes it so exceptional. And I think it's those sorts of details in messaging that are, that are helping these stories resonate with new consumers who really want to know that. They, they want to understand what's behind the things that they're buying and what makes it efficacious in their life. And efficacy for any any object is different based on the industry. Yes. Now, so to something that you just said before, how have you seen messaging change over the last few years? And in particular with Gen Z, what what's the difference in the the way or the what you communicated to previous generations and to the incoming generation? Yeah. So messaging has gotten so much more direct, so much more the lead. I think when I first started working at Mac, oh my gosh, it was just high romance. We got to tell these big, beautiful, romantic stories. And I remember doing a collection on inspired by night blooming flowers, or we did, and I got to interview a woman who had studied night blooming flowers and brought all of that into the collection storytelling and naming, and it was intoxicating to me. I loved it so much. Now, the modern consumer wants the results. They want the ingredients. They want to know about the sustainability, and they want to know what the brand is doing philanthropically to how they're giving back. The romance is still there, and that's where I think tone of voice has become even more important because you have less space to speak, less space to use for your messaging. You have more platforms that you have to use to communicate your messaging, and you really need to amplify, first and foremost, the results, the, the details, and the facts about what you're selling. That has changed in everything. How we how product pages are structured on websites, you'll th see things have moved to more bulleted formats and really guiding the consumer rather than kind of paragraphs and storytelling and letting it flow on. I think that all messaging, this is where social, you can still have that kind of beautiful romantic messaging on social or, you know, assets that are vibe first, but that, that efficacy, that truth has to really be at the forefront. It has to be grounded in something real and tangible. 
And I think that's where younger generations are are leading the charge. And I totally agree that things have gotten, because on top of wanting a certain kind of brand, right? Like don't want old school looking for something young and fresh and whatever. Now, most consumers have access to ingredient information. They know what the active ingredients are. They know what percentages there should be. And a lot of this, they're also finding out on TikTok, which is basically, you know, a university in your hand. And so you're not dealing with an ignorant consumer anymore where you're like, it's fine. It's going to work. They're like, okay, but does it have like niacinide in it? And And which order is it in? Because you're dealing with a consumer that's very skeptical because they, they know that companies lie and has the information in their pocket now on like what ingredients are doing, which are harmful, which are beneficial, which you shouldn't mix. Mm -hmm. It's getting harder and harder. Absolutely. And they also have more access. My mom was a makeup artist when I was a kid. She worked with Clinique. And, and you know, there were so many at that time to interact with certain brands. You would go to the counter. You would go to the department store. Yeah. You either traveled and got one in your travels or when it landed at the mall in the very early 2000s, then that was how you actually got to experience the brand. Now they're available everywhere. You can access it on your phone. So to that, what kind of trends do you see now that may shape the way messages come across in the future or tones of voice? What what undercurrents are you starting to see that may change or just confirm um, what we've already talked about? Yeah, so I think... There's a lot of things. The receipts that we've been talking about are a really, really big thing. I think when we saw over the height of the pandemic in the Black Lives Matter movement, where brands were just kind of putting up black squares or saying things or jumping in, but then it was very, very easy to investigate and see that what they were doing internally was not backing up what they were talking about. I think those days are gone in terms of that kind of messaging. You really, really have to be putting out a story that is telling the actual story of what you're doing. You have to show those receipts. I think that messaging around sustainability and philanthropy and how you showing and speaking about how you are actually trying to reduce your negative impact on the world is very, very critical having that up front and having that as a as a part of your messaging strategy. How does that show up across the board so that you are making that promise and reinforcing that promise? I think tonality is, is more and more important because everything is only getting more saturated. So we see this with celebrity brands. Every time a celebrity brand launches, there's always some conversation that erupts. Like, do we really need this? Do we even believe that the celebrity is using this? I don't know. That's not why their skin looks like that. (laughs) It it looks like that because of unlimited wealth and access to treatments that the average person will never be able to see or use in their lifetime. And that's literally their job. They spend from morning to night. 100%. 
it's not this like new $20 serum that you're selling as the secret to your skincare routine. Right. It's just like, it's not, yeah, it's laughable. And And they're all 22. So that's right. right. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Or things like, you know, we saw this recently, JLo launching an alcohol brand as a notorious non-drinker. Right. You know, those sorts of things, it just feels so obvious what's happening. And it, um, and consumers are really seeing through that. I think having to understand and find a way to flex with what is so important to younger generations, which is uh, fluidity and identity and self and expression and a big focus on inclusivity and the planet, all of these things are what they're looking for. And there needs to be a way to authentically integrate that into, into messaging and to have a messaging strategy that can fluctuate and evolve and move with what's happening because everything is changing so fast. And if you aren't grounded in a tonality that is ready and prepared to be responsive to your audience, to address their concerns, to be there for them and with them, they're just going to find somebody else who's proving that they're caring about them more. Hmm. That is an imperative, I think. So I do have one question. I actually wanted to end it there, but I'm going to ask this anyway, because a lot of companies are not ready to do that. And... Uh, because first of all, I would say that there's a large percentage of companies that don't actually believe in the importance of true branding. They don't have their Mm -hmm. team staffed properly. It's usually like where managers hit stop on their way to something else, you know, on their way to becoming CEO. It's like, no, you got to do marketing for a minute. So we know you're well-rounded. And so, and you can see it in especially for people who work in the industry, you can tell when a company loves their brand and when a company doesn't care about marketing. So there are a lot of companies that feel the pressure to comment, you know, as we saw with the Black Lives Matter and and other cultural moments like that, feel the obligation to comment, but without having the receipts. Do you think it's better to say nothing than to say the wrong thing? If you have not cleaned house, what do you do? Well, I think it's less about saying the right or wrong thing and more about saying the authentic thing and focusing on that first. And if what you find in your interrogation of what is authentic for you as a brand is that you don't actually have an authentic way to speak to that conversation, then that's what you need to be tackling, not what you're talking about on social media. You need to go back to the internal organization and address internally the reasons why you are not able to be an active, compassionate, honest voice in that conversation. And conversely, if you are willing to engage that conversation, you also need to be willing to engage how that point incite some controversy, like what we've seen with companies like Budweiser, who, you know, they're, they weren't completely unprepared to handle what happened when they had a transgender influencer promoting their products. And then they didn't 
back up their influencer. They didn't back up that partnership. They pulled back immediately, showed absolute fear, and it made the entire attempt to be a part of that conversation feel false. So if you are going to enter into a contentious conversation, you have to be ready for the conflict that's going to come. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And be willing to stand up for what you are purporting to stand up for. Right. If you're going to throw down the glove, you have to be ready to fight. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and not just back off and say, oh, just kidding. And then give in to the loudest audience. And I don't know what they thought was going to happen or if it was intended to be a moment of outrage marketing, which congratulations, you got it. Oh, let's light this thing on fire and see what happens. It's like, okay, well now it's burning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've worked with companies where they've discovered that they had kind of two disparate audiences, one that maybe had a different set of ideals than the ideals that the brand espouses, the ideals that younger generations espouse, and that they wanted to be more overt in messaging about. And we just had to land on the qualities of the ideal audience and devise a strategy that that speaks to that audience and be prepared for what will happen when you do that. But that will standing in what you believe in and and especially if your audience are members of those communities that is how you are going to create relationships and gender trust and what flows from that messaging wise will be far more impactful than anything put upon to you know create the idea of a story or an illusion okay so So let me let you go. But before we do that, tell people, please, where they can find you and learn more about your agency and what you do. Yes, you can find us on LinkedIn at Antonym. You can find us on our website, antonym-studio.com. And then also on Instagram at antonym underscore studio. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Amanda. Thank you so much. This was such a wonderful conversation.